Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me this morning to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Glory to God. We want to look at the, at the text that we started out with, and we're just not going to go into all of the uh, uh, commentator, commentary that we've uh, already uh, covered, but the last part of James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Bible says the, the continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And we talked about the fact that one of the problems that uh, face believers today is that very often people do not see themselves as qualifying for this passage of scripture and, or indeed many of the promises of God in the New Testament. They see themselves as weak they see themselves as failures. They see themselves as unworthy. And so people have the idea, yes, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. If I could just find a righteous person to pray for me, if I could just find someone that would, that would take up my calls and go to the Lord before me or for me on my behalf, then I know God would hear and answer my friend's prayers or those other people's prayers. We have confidence many times in other people and that derives from the fact that we don't have confidence in ourselves. We don't have confidence in our place before God. But we discovered from reading chapter three of the book of Romans, and go over there with me if you would, and let's just look at a couple of verses that we've looked at. I wanna go further today, so I don't wanna to spend too much time covering ground that we've already covered. Well, we pointed out the fact that almost everybody in the body of Christ has heard and is familiar with verse 23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then there's a companion verse in verse number 10. It says, There is none righteous, no, not one. And so as evangelical Christians, uh, 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 people of, that believe the Bible and have a real sure, steadfast faith in the Lord Jesus, in our ranks, it's very common for people to be uh, aware of these scriptures and to use these scriptures. And very often, whenever I was uh, young in the Lord, when, when we would go out on our witnessing endeavors, back then we had a track and it was called four spirit, the four spiritual laws. And one of the four spiritual laws is that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this was used to acquaint the sinner uh, with their condition before God. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because it's, it's a true statement. But you have to understand that it belongs and it has to do with those who are not saved. But this verse of scripture and this passage has been used to sort of uh, hold over the head of Christians to make them feel like that they're, that they're unworthy of God's blessing. Yes, God in his mercy has saved us, but beyond that, God still looks at us as though we're not worthy and we don't measure up. And we pointed out that in verse number 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it's really in, in the middle of a passage, beginning in verse 21, going down to verse 26, that has all to do with our righteousness in Christ. 
The whole purpose of this passage is to introduce to people that in Christ, in union with Christ, we have been made righteous. Let's look at this passage. I often take and, uh, and put verse the latter part of verse 22 where the word for is. I put a parenthesis there. And then at the end of, of verse 23, I put an ending parenthesis there because these verses are parent, this, these particular uh, statements are parenthetical They're true and they're important, but you can take them out and get a better flow of the verse and then put them back in. Then you understand how they fit. So let's read it this this way. Let's read from the end of verse number 22 and jump down to verse 24. But now it says in verse 21, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When you read it that way, you see what he's trying to say. And in the middle of that, he inserts these words, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The point he's making is because there is no difference in people, because everyone has the same condition, everyone has sinned. Isn't that right? Is there anybody here who's never sinned? I didn't think we'd see any hands being raised. For we have all sinned, the Bible says, and because all men are sinners, so I'm talking about before they're saved, because humanity and it's lost and it's fallen, condi- fallen condition, all have sinned and fall short of the grace of God. Well, because of that, then his free gift is to all and on all because there is no difference for all have sinned. But the point is not to tell Christians that they're sinful. The point is to tell Christians that in spite of that, they've been given the gift of righteousness. Now we, we read also from the fifth chapter of, of uh, Romans and it says in verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Notice it refers to the gift of righteousness. Now the problem a lot of people have understanding righteousness is they confuse righteousness with sinful, sinless perfection. Righteousness And sinless perfection are two different things. They are not the same. Amen. Amen. We are not made righteous as a result of our sinlessness. If we were already sinless, we wouldn't need the gift of righteousness because we would already be righteous. If you look at righteousness in that sense. If righteousness is sinless perfection, if we're, if we're free from sin and we never do anything wrong, then we would need that gift. We'd already have it. You following me? No, the gift of righteousness is given to those who do not deserve it. Amen. If you go on down uh, in verse number three, go back to chapter three again. Verse number 24 says, being justified freely by his grace. Being justified freely. 
That word justified means made righteous. Here's the way I heard it explained when I was real young in the Lord. People, the, the preachers would say, to be justified, that word justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Justice, just as if I had never sinned. See, even though you, you have sinned, when, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, God imparted to you his righteousness as though you had never sinned. Righteousness is right standing with God. See, even as a Christian, we'll, we'll talk about this in a few more minutes from now, but just to, just to uh, give you a little preview, even as a Christian, when you do sin, you do not lose your standing with God. You are still in right standing with him. You still have, you are still the righteousness of God in Christ because it is not dependent upon you or your conduct or your good actions or anything. It's dependent upon his free gift. Amen. Now we pointed out the fact that in, go with me over to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And I think this might be where we left off last week. Ephesians chapter 2. Everybody knows verse number 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now here in, in saying it in different terms, he's saying the same thing, thing that he said in Romans 3. He said, it's not of works lest any man can boast. No one can boast of their righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because it didn't come as a result of anything you did. In fact, it came in spite of what you did. Amen. Amen. He said, so no one can boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God. One translation says, for we are God's own handiwork. Another translation said, we are God's masterpiece. We discovered that in the new birth, when a person comes to Christ and puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and says, from this day on, I will trust no longer in myself, but I trust in the one who, who gave his life on Calvary, who shed his blood, who, was, who, who died, who was buried, who was raised from the dead and ascended on high. From this day forward, my faith is in him. When a person does that and confesses Jesus as Lord, the Bible says they become a new creation in Christ. One translation says he is the work of a new creation. Another one says a new species of being came into existence. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you became a new creation. God created you in Christ Jesus and you are his very handiwork. God does not create unworthy handiworks. God does not create an unworthy new creation. God would not create a sinful, unworthy, undeserving. God would not create 
a, a, a new being with anything in it that it would that would taint it and make it feel like it it it, it doesn't have access to God. Just like God created Adam in the, in the beginning. We pointed out the fact that when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Well, when God breathed into his nostrils the, the breath of life, the Bible says he became a living being. Well, his first consciousness was God right in his face. Because he was breathing on him. So his first conscious uh, uh, awareness was of the presence of God. Adam didn't have a past to be ashamed of. He didn't have anything to be uh, embarrassed about. He had nothing to feel guilty over. There was no sense of dread when he saw God. He was God's son, God's creation. Well, when you're born again, when you were born again, when you became a new creation in Christ... That's exactly what happened to you. You became a brand new man with no past. Go over with me to 2 Corinthians. We've looked at this before, but but we haven't uh, come close to exhausting everything in it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse number 17... Let you get there in your Bibles. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold. It's time that we behold something. What does the word behold mean? It means listen up. Pay attention. Get a hold of this. Behold. Behold. All Things have become new. Old things passed away. Your past life dissolved. Where did it go? It just went away. It passed away. The Bible says that when we sin... Or, or when, when he forgives us of our sins, that he casts our sins behind him in a place where he will not remember them anymore. I'm assuming that's where the old man went, that you were. The old things of your past life, they went to that, that place that God refuses to, to acknowledge or remember or look at. They're gone and they're never coming back. Now, your natural mind will try to resurrect those things. Your natural mind will try to remind you of this that you've done and these other things that you've done and how you uh, dishonored God. And maybe today, you know, in the natural realm, there are some consequences of past actions. And sometimes those consequences follow us in life. And we have to deal with those things. But the enemy will, will take those things that you might be dealing with today as a, as a consequence to remind you, well, you know, this is, this is all your fault and, and you don't deserve any better and put you under condemnation. You need to remind the devil, I might be dealing with the consequences, but the thing is gone. The thing that caused it is gone. It's forever gone. It's, it's separate. Listen, your past, the person you were before you were born again, you're not even related to that person. 
That old, that old man is not a distant cousin of yours. If there's, there is, there is absolute separation from who you are now, from who you are then, who you were then. You're completely separated from that because the old man not only died, passed away, and went to that place where he can't come back. In its place on the inside of you, God created a brand new you. Again, with no association to the old. The new birth is not a renovation. It is not a reconstruction. It is not an over, it's not a do-over. It is a new creation. Glory to God. Well, now let's, let's read the rest of it. It says, behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God. Now, some people try to take this passage, verse number 18, out of its setting and, and apply it to everything in life. Well, you know, all things are of God. It's a terrible, tra- uh, you know, tragic accident out on the highway. Well, all things are of God. No, that's not what, the, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the all things he was just referring to. Notice, behold, all things have become new. Now all things, those all things, those all things, the all things that have become new are of God. Amen. The, the, all the things that became new in, the, in you in the new birth, they came from God. They are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, For he made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you became when you were born again. You became the, this new creation man is the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So people say, well, you know, I feel so unworthy. You're just letting the enemy lie to you. And when you talk that way, you're talking contrary to the word of God. When you say, well, I'm, I'm just not worthy. We, people say that sometimes trying to, to be uh, humble when really it's insulting to, to what God has done. It's an insult to what God has done in Christ to talk about yourself that way, to look at yourself that way. So we we used to say, y'all pray for me. A little tremble in the voice. Y'all pray for me that I'll hold out faithful to the end. I don't know if I can make it or not. But y'all, y'all pray for me that that I'll remain faithful and I'll hold out to the end. Y'all pray for me that I'll somehow make, make heaven, not sure if I'll make it or not. Well, see, all of that comes from, from not understanding that you've been put into right relationship, right standing with God. 
Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that we are sons of God. It would be a, a tragedy for God to, to grant sonship and then leave his sons under the blight of a, of a sinful conscience. There would be no fellowship in that. Go with me over to Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians, the third chapter. Ah. Uh, Verse 26 says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. When you were born again, when you were recreated in Christ, you became a son of God. Even you ladies are sons of God. Amen. We are sons of God. We are no longer outside of favor. We're no longer on the outside looking in. We are, we are more, even in the new covenant, we are more than simply servants of God. Let's go on over to the fourth chapter. Look at verse number four. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. We are not, we are not merely servants of God. Now, we are servants. There, there is a New Testament principle. It's a, it's a New Testament uh, fact and a New Testament principle and something we need to understand that we are servants of God in the standpoint that we do serve him. And there is a laying down of our life in order to serve him. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm serving God. In, in 1978, when I, caught, I accepted the call of the ministry, I settled it once and for all that I was going to follow God's plan for my life. That's serving God. And so I uh, made application to go to Bible school. I, the next year, I, I, I quit my job, took my two small children and my wife, and we just launched out to follow God. Really didn't know where it would lead us. With nothing behind us, nothing under us, no, uh, I cashed a, the, an insurance policy and it had a cash value of $700. Woo! That's what we had under us, $700. And uh, uh, we just launched out just to obey God. There's a truth in obeying God. So don't, I don't want to say that, that when we say one thing, we're discounting something else. You know, we, we came here just to obey God. We had no idea. When, when somebody contacted us and said, we want you to come to Fort White. I, listen, I was raised in the city. My parents were raised in the city. And 
The only thing I know about Fort White is that's where we came to, to rent inner tubes. There was one gas station in Fort White on the corner, and it really didn't see, he didn't sell gas. It was just an old gas station, and it was full of junk. And he had inner tubes, and we would come over from Jacksonville, rent an inner tube, and go down the Itchtuckney River. Now, back then, the Itchtuckney River wasn't a state park. You just drove out 27 and turned on Junction Road, and, you, and which was a dirt road, and you went out until you found the head spring. We just, you know. And so I knew about Fort White. I had never heard of High Springs. Well, we accepted the call to go in the ministry. We just came over here not knowing what would, what would happen. There's, there is truth about serving God and obeying God. It never occurred to me that I'd spend my whole life here. I mean, the rest of my life, I, maybe if I had known that, I wouldn't have come. I don't know. I mean, from this side, it looks good. But from that side, I'm not sure it would have looked very good. But, you know, we, we do serve God in that sense. But our, our standing with God is not that of a servant. Our standing is that of a son. Glory to God. Amen. He says, therefore, verse seven, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are sons of God. And like I said, no, no father and son. If God's plan was to create a new creation and give uh, the, the new creation man the status of sonship, he would not have done that with the idea that this son would be tongue-tied and embarrassed and coming you know, into his presence with his head hanging down saying, oh Lord, you know, I'm, un- I'm unworthy and shameful to come into your presence. What kind of fellowship would that be? All parents look forward to the day that their children grow up and, and you can enter into a relationship with, with them that's based on equality and sharing of that relationship. Well, that's what God was looking for. Amen. You are no longer a slave, but a son. Then, if you're a son, you are an heir of God. An heir of God. Do you know what, do you know what that means? You're an heir of God? What, what does it mean to be an heir? An heir is someone who has a rightful claim to to inherit someone else's uh, uh, property or, or estate. An heir is someone who has the right to inherit someone else's estate. We're heirs of God. I said we're heirs, not of, of, of something here. We're heirs of God. And in order for us to take advantage of our right to inherit everything God has, we have to look at ourselves the way he looks at us. Not let let the enemy talk us into looking at ourselves the way our natural mind would dictate or the way our uh, other people who've known us before. Amen. You might have family members that remember things about you. You might have family members that don't like to let you forget. You just need to look at them, walk in love, and just understand that that person you're talking about, he passed away. What happened to him? He passed away. And all things have become new. 
Glory to God. And now I'm a son of God. Go with me over to Romans. Ooh, glory to God. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Verse number 14 through 17. Number, verse number 14, Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's exactly the same thing he said in Romans chapter 4. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, glory to God. Joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that Jesus has entered into, we enter into. Everything that belongs to him as, as being an heir of God belongs to us because we are joint heirs. See, we're, when you were placed inside of Christ and joined to Christ, you became one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything he has is yours. Everything that belongs to him belongs to you. Oh, glory to God. Therefore, our righteousness is his righteousness. You have as much right standing before God as the Lord Jesus Christ has. I'm going to say that again because only about three people had the boldness to say amen. You have the same standing. I'm talking about if you're born again, you have the same standing before God as the Lord Jesus does. You have the same access to God that the Lord Jesus has. Amen. What did Jesus tell his disciples in the 16th chapter of John? He said, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Surely I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And then he says, I do not say that I will pray to the Father for you. He said, because the Father himself loves you just like he loves me. He'll answer your prayer as quick as he'll answer mine. Did you say that? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it. John, the 16th chapter. Oh, glory. You know, it's almost hard to believe. The natural mind, you just almost think, how can this, how can this be? This is just too good to be true. There's a lot about God that's too good for the natural man to believe. It takes faith. Amen. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will, I, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. Oh, hallelujah. We have access to the Father anytime. Glory to God. You know, we criticize certain people for praying to Mary. Anybody ever been critical of anybody that prayed to Mary? Yeah, I just don't believe in that. We're not supposed to pray to Mary. What they'll tell you is we're not praying to Mary. We're just asking Mary to intercede to the Lord for us. 
Well, we criticize that, but that's the same thing we do. We want Sister Holiness to pray for us. Now listen again, like I said last week, the Bible teaches praying for one another, but, but with a different motivation. Not because we don't feel like we can get our, our prayers answered ourselves. We pray for one another because we bear one another's burdens. We love one another. But this idea that I have to get Sister Holiness to pray for me, or if I could get two or three churches to get enough people to pray, then that's, there's no difference than that than, in, than asking Mary to intercede for you. Come on now, it's the truth. It's the same thing. It's based on the same misunderstanding. It comes from the same motivation. Well, if, if I could get somebody else, Mary or Gertrude, it doesn't matter. I don't care whatever name you put in there. It's unnecessary. And it comes from sin consciousness. We need to, we need to awake to righteousness and develop a righteousness consciousness that we are right with God. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. If you, are a, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's righteousness has been imparted to you. You have full right standing with God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.